It's 10 o'clock, and this is WISO's Weekly Radio Magazine. I'm Jerry Kenny. Coming up on today's program, a conversation with WISO Music Director Nikki Dakota. She's going to tell us about an audio project of sorts designed to give voice to our local community during the coronavirus crisis. And Mark Pompilio tells us about the Community Blood Center's latest drive and the great need they have for donations at this time. First... Thousands of Ohioans are being laid off as businesses have temporarily shut their doors due to efforts to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Statehouse correspondent Joe Ingalls reports on what the state is doing to help those workers and companies. Matt Roberts stood in the parking lot of one of his indoor rock climbing businesses, Vertical Adventures. Some of the workers he's laid off filed into the building to get help filing for unemployment. Roberts says these have been the hardest days of his professional life because he knew if he continued to pay his employees without being able to get business coming through the door, things would be even worse. So we made the decision to lay off 95% of our staff to make sure that there'd be this business in two months, however long. And that's, I think that's the big problem is nobody knows how long this is going to be. Roberts and his business partner, Carrie Rockos, are continuing to pay health insurance premiums for their laid off employees. Rockos choked up when she talked about their reactions. A lot of like, thanks. And which was kind of hard to take. Thanks. Um, You know, this is a really close knit business. We've been in this business um, for 26 years, and, and a lot of these people we've been with for a long time, and we're really tight-knit. And so I think the hardest thing for a lot of people was walking out the door last night. The folks that came over to meet with us in person, we kind of all lingered for a while. No one wanted to walk out the door. Matt Cole was one of those employees. It's tough. Um, you know, they, they have been really great about getting us set up with unemployment, and hopefully between that and trying to find some side jobs here and there, uh, We'll be able to scrape by, but uh, my girlfriend right now has not been laid off, but with her company, we know it's not if, it's when. Um, so we're, we're feeling the burn a little bit, and it's starting to feel a lot like our first years out of college when we were eating leftover food from old jobs that they threw away. So um, things, are, things are tight, but it's, it's day one, so try not to get too beat up about it yet. What's happening to Cole, Rockos, and Roberts is happening all over the state, as many businesses have been forced, often by government order, to shut down to avoid the spread of coronavirus. Hair salons, barber shops, spas, tattoo parlors, and eat-in dining establishments have been closed in recent days. Ohio Department of Job and Family Services Director Kimberly Hall says Governor Mike DeWine's recent order has allowed employees who wouldn't ordinarily qualify for unemployment to get it. And she says her agency has taken steps to reduce bureaucratic red tape. Eligibility has been expanded to reach uh, that broader level of employees and individuals impacted. And then also the waiting period has been eliminated. So the unemployment system, as it's currently structured, has a waiting period due to the emergency, the declaration of emergency. We were able to adjust that waiting period, waive it, and so individuals can begin receive benefits immediately. 
Hall says the agency is also immediately redirecting workers to other jobs if they prefer. She says businesses like grocery stores and mail-order warehouses need even more workers right now. It's important to remember not all businesses have shut down during this pandemic. But Hall says if workers feel they are in a dangerous situation because their employer is staying open, she urges them to contact the agency and they will look into those concerns. We will uh, examine and look, and look into the specific challenges. Of course, uh, employers have to be able to you know, make their own decisions, but uh, we won't be able to come out of this unless we are all pulling together in the same direction. Lieutenant Governor John Husted says employers need to make sure they're sending sick workers home. When we get through this, and we will, and the economy will rebound, you're going to need those skilled employees. Take care of them now. Help them out. And we also have ways for you to do this. Husted says the state will pay for things like worker training. And that, he says, could help businesses when the economy rebounds. Joe Ingalls at the Ohio Public Radio Statehouse News Bureau. Governor Mike DeWine authorized the Ohio National Guard to assist food banks dealing with staffing shortages due to the coronavirus last week. WISO's Lila Goldstein reports. In Wednesday's coronavirus update, the governor addressed rumors circulating about the National Guard. Sometimes people think of calling out the National Guard means that they come and they have guns and they're going to do uh, some military operation. He said the National Guard would in fact be assembling tents at hospitals and giving out meals at food banks. Lee Lauren Truesdale with the food bank in Dayton said about a third of the staff is working from home because of the coronavirus. On top of that, more families are showing up to collect food. Here at the food bank, even under normal operating circumstances, capacity is a struggle for us. So having this extra manpower on site when we're down so many staff members already will just be critical. She says the 25 National Guard personnel assigned to her site will help prep food and conduct traffic control starting Monday. For WYSO News, I'm Lila Goldstein. And in related news, the Community Blood Center in Dayton is working to increase supplies during the coronavirus pandemic. Early last week, the CBC put out a call asking for healthy people who can donate to call the center and make an appointment. Mark Pompilio with the CBC says the local community is responding. More than 160 people donated in Dayton on Tuesday and around 400 people donated around the region. I have to say that we're encouraged by the response. We started out the week with the Donor Strong Blood Drive, uh, giving out Kings Island tickets and Cinemark movie tickets as an extra thank you to donors for, you know, really summoning a little bit of courage in these really troubled times to come down and donate. We keep emphasizing that it's safe to donate, that we're taking precautions to keep everybody safe, keep the staff safe, and keep the blood supply safe. But I think everyone's recognizing that we don't want two health crises. You know, we don't need the crisis of COVID-19 and then on top of that, a blood shortage. So that's what everybody's working to prevent. The CBC coverage area is quite large and Pompilio says current events have only created a bigger challenge to service health care organizations. Well, we have 15 counties in, uh, you know, western Ohio and eastern Indiana and 23 hospitals that were committed to keeping them stocked with the blood components they need. And as you said, that's 
red cells, which is, you know, the common donation, but also the automated donations of platelets and plasma, which are so important for so many patients, particularly cancer patients. We've also have commitments outside those counties because we've really, that was one of the messages of the new year is that we were, we were helping more hospitals and we were trying to collect more plates and platelets and plasma. Then we come to this crisis. To date, we're looking at, you know, 46 blood drives that have canceled so far or uh, other blood drives that were downsized, had to be moved from indoors to a, a smaller capacity on a blood mobile. And right now we're still at a projection of about 2,000 lost units of blood. And those units are so hard earned that it's, it's really hard to make that back up. Supply-wise, we're looking at about a seven-day supply. It ranges by blood type up to maybe 10 days or 11, which is not totally out of the ordinary on normal times. It's just that fear of not being able to keep it going and that if we actually got to the point where we were dwindling down day by day, we could really be in trouble. The Community Blood Center stresses that donating blood is safe. Pompilio says there are a number of ways to get information on donating. Uh, givingblood.org. And uh, it's right now the emphasis is on being healthy. You've got to be well to donate. Uh, so that's, that's number one. And if you want to try to find a blood drive or check out our hours or make an appointment, www.donortime.com. You know, donortime.com is a quick way to... Uh, you know, make an appointment. And we're kind of, we always emphasize appointments, but now there's that extra concern about not coming too early, you know, coming in an orderly way so that we don't have a crowd, you know, that things are level, you know, and and that people aren't feeling as if they're on top of each other because that uh, social distancing is so important. But a blood drive is not a mass gathering. You know, it's, it's very controlled. And it's uh, the mayor, uh, Mayor Nan Whaley uh, of, of uh, Dayton was here, and she was particularly emphasizing that she had plenty of room to her left and right and, and noticed all the sanitation and all the extra cautions taking place and felt very confident. Uh, so there's no reason to be afraid to donate. It's more important than ever to keep the blood supply strong because uh, we have to keep the hospital supplied. The Community Blood Center in Dayton is now open on Sundays starting today. You can find uh, donor information again and hours of operations at givingblood.org. I'm Jerry Kenny. This is WISO Weekend. Women in the military often face two fronts. They fight the enemy and prejudice from male enlistees. Today on Veterans Voices, Dawn Bellinger of Beaver Creek tells her friend Connie Jackson of Kettering about the discrimination she faced during her service. What made you decide to go into the service, and how did you choose what branch of service? I came from a military family. My father had been a fighter pilot in the Air Force, and you always have to say fighter pilot. (laughs) It's just something that they make you do. And so he was uh, in for 20 years. My sister was in the Air Force as an air traffic controller. My younger brother was in the Navy as a machinist, And I chose the Navy because the uniforms for females were much better (laughs) than the other services. And um, I also thought it's the Navy. They are only in wonderful, wonderful port cities all over the world. And so dad and sister in the Air Force, brother in the Navy. So I will even out the scale. So where did you go after boot camp? Oh, after boot camp, I went to San Diego to go to computer school. And when I first joined, you have to understand women weren't allowed on ships. 
they weren't allowed. I qualified for some of the nuclear fields, but because I was a female, I couldn't be in those nuclear fields. So this is the type of discrimination we were up against. However, we weren't discriminated against when it came to com- computers, although I will say most of the women stayed as being a computer operator longer and didn't get to go into the technical side as much because they would they would promote the men before they would promote the women. And one reason is because of when they're doing your scores, they also take into account – Uh, you get so many points for being on a ship. Well, women weren't allowed on ships. So we were automatically lower down on the total number of points we could accumulate. Yeah. So can you give any other examples or do you want to give other examples of how things were different for a woman or your experience as a woman in the military or in the Navy? There were just other – oh, another instance was when I was at the technical assistance team – I, I unfortunately, my good supervisor Dennis, who is still a friend today, um, Dennis left. He and his wife Donna got stationed back in California, and we got this new guy. So this new guy is a supervisor, and who, who never did a damn thing. And literally, he would put his feet up on the desk and have coffee. So one day, the coffee pot was out. We had our own in my area. And he said, oh, Dawn, make me some coffee. I'm like, no, I'm not making you any coffee. I'm not drinking the damn coffee. You are. You get up and you make yourself some coffee. So he said, well, I'm going to go tell the, the chief. So he goes and tells the chief. The chief comes back to me and says, make the coffee. And I said, chief, I don't drink the coffee. Why should I have to make it? Because you're a woman. And, oh, I, I, you know what? I forget what I did, but I never ended up making coffee that day. <laughs> I forget what happened. And you know what? He never asked me again, or he never commanded me again. And that was one thing. Because I was strong, I fought back. Um, I had some men actually get in my face and tell me I did not belong in the Navy because I was a woman. I had no place. And they would be cussing me out and all, and I would just stand there, let them finish. I'd cuss them out back and say, you know what? You just better get used to it because we are here to stay. You don't belong in the Navy. No woman should be in the Navy, you know, and just, and it's like, yeah, no, just, just get over it because I'm not going anywhere. That was Navy veteran Dawn Bellinger and her friend Connie Jackson. There's another chapter of Dawn's story, and we'll share it next week. Veterans Voices on WISO is presented by Pack Credit Union with additional support from CareSource. The story was edited by Seth Gordon and Will Davis and created at the Eichelberger Center for Community Voices at WISO. And that's where we get Dayton Youth Radio. All of our 2020 Dayton Youth Radio students are off school this week because of of the coronavirus pandemic, and some of them have promised to send us their audio essays by recording them at home instead of here at the Wiseau Studios. Today we present a story from a series we call The Best of Dayton Youth Radio, stories from years past. This one first aired in 2017. It's from Demetrius Oglesby, a senior then at the David H. Ponent's Career Technology Center. Here's youth radio producer Basine Blunt to introduce the story. 
It's been about 40 years since the first hip-hop records came out, and now rap music is American mainstream. Today's story was produced by Demetrius Oglesby, who says he was an academic scholar until he got to high school and became infatuated with hip-hop. When we met Demetrius last spring, his grades and his household chores had taken a back seat to his dreams of becoming a rap music star. I have a passion for rap music and I just can't help it. Every day, all I do is sit on my laptop in this freezing cold basement and come up with new music. I open up Adobe Audition on my laptop and I get straight to it. It's not anything special, really. It's literally just a laptop and a mic I found online. No music stands either, just a tall speaker that sits on top of. And my laptop sits on a bar we have in the basement. Music, music, music. It's all I ever think about, which is why I always forget stuff. I'll write a new song and forget I had homework. But that song was dope, though, so it was worth it. Well, not really, but that's just how my mind works. I know my mom is disappointed in me. I remember one time while I was in the basement, she told me something like, instead of being in that damn basement rapping, you need to be washing these dishes. Because you upstairs, and I would be like, this day, you need to do your dishes. I hate to hear my teachers and my mom tell me, Meet, you're better than that. Step your game up. It's embarrassing because people have high hopes for me, and I'm just letting them down. When Demetrius' grades started failing, he sought the advice of his friend and fellow rapper, Lucian Wright. Lucian had graduated the year before with straight A's and is now in college. As far as rapping and schoolwork, how did you balance that? Because I know you ended up getting all A's before you graduated. To be honest, I always put school first. Uh, just show people that it was possible at the same time that you could chase your dream and do good in school. It's basically like bragging rights in a way. Like, oh yeah, he dropped a nice tape, that was a nice song, but yeah, he doing his thing in school too. I encourage you to do whatever your heart desire, but just know that in life, you know, nothing is going to be free. You can't just live with people for free and just music, music, music. My mom's name is Doria McKee. She's the best mom in the world. <laughs> How did you feel when you started seeing my grades start to kind of slack off? I felt like you needed to get focused. Uh, this your last year of school and you need to make it. How do you feel about my talent? Like, do you think I'm any good? Well, I actually think you're great. I mean, literally since you was a baby, you love to hear music. And as you got older, you sing and you dance and... You love rap music as well. And then your father rapping and singing, you was just blessed with a gift. From my mom's point of view, she really is very proud of me. She thinks that I should keep rapping because it's something that I'm very good at. But at the same time, I should focus in school and just make sure that things get done. Now, from Lucian's point of view, I basically look at it as he's the leading example to show that if you focus in school, you can still follow your dreams as well. For Dating Youth Radio, this is Demetrius Leach Over. bring me down, I ain't worried about this slopes. Yeah, they must be sick and tired of me rapping. Yo, y'all need to get a grip like pliers. I'm the one and only Meech. Can't nobody do it better. I'm the type that can steal your girl. Man, and I ain't even met her, but she just wants Demetrius did graduate with his class components and is now finding a balance between his college courses and his music career. 
He just released his first single. Like that one dude from the Lakers. I'll be balling like that one dude from the Lakers. On my way to LA, like that one dude from the Lakers. I'm a To hear some of his music and more stories from Dayton Youth Radio, visit WYSO.org. Special thanks to Joanne Biscop at Ponents. For Dayton Youth Radio, this is Basim Blunt. That story originally aired in 2017. You can find a link to Demetrius Ogilby's music on our website at WISO.org. I'm Jerry Kenny. We've got more WISO Weekend coming your way. Stay with us. Let it go, because I'm never letting go. Let it go, because I'm never letting go. Yo, I'm just focused on the dough. Haters trying to bring me down. I ain't worried about these slopes. Yo. I'm just focused on the dough. Haters trying to bring me down. I ain't worried about the slopes. Yo, I'm just trying to get the dough. They want me to stop rapping, but I'm never letting go. Let it go. Let it go, cause I'm never letting go. Let it go. Let it go, cause I'm never letting go. Let it go. Yo, I'm just focused on the dough. Haters trying to bring me down. I ain't worried about the slopes. You're listening to WISO Weekend on 91.3 WISO. I'm Jerry Kenny. Our in-studio guest on the program this week is our very own Nikki Dakota, WISO's music director. And, Nikki, we should let our listeners know that by in-studio guests, with all that's going on, actually, we mean that we are talking to each other from separate studios here at the station, which is a little unusual. It is, because we actually really like one another and uh, like each other's company, but we have not had... Uh, any of that this week. Um, we are connecting via uh, the phone line from uh, one part of the building to the next so that we can uh, virtually come together, which is actually what brings us together today. This notion of um, why so and the power of radio to have always been a virtual gathering place where, you know, open to really an infinite number of people where we can all gather without actually physically being in each other's presence. I've I've always thought it was magical, but now during this coronavirus um, sequestering, self-isolation, I think it's more important than ever. And with that in mind, WISO has an audio project underway because we want to know how our listeners are doing, how they're uh, coping under some very difficult circumstances. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we're calling it Alone Together. And uh, there's a couple of ways to connect your story. And it's it's an email address, actually, together at WISO.org. You could use your phone to record a voice memo and just forward it to Alone Together at wiso.org, or you can e- type an email if you please. Um, and particularly, I'd love to know if you have a song suggestion. I think we're going to go back to somewhat regularly uh, scheduled excursions, noon to three uh, in this coming week. So we have three hours to uh, gather virtually in music, and you could even sing a few bars <laughs> and uh, leave it uh, leave a request there. Again, you could use that um, your voice memo uh, on your phone to forward to Alone Together at WYSO.org, or type an email there. Plus the listener line, Jerry, uh, which is always open, is 937-769-1374. That's 
1374 and uh, that's always available to you and we're happy to take your stories there now too. You touched on this a little bit but what are your thoughts on how important it is for the community to stay connected at a time like this? Well, we are inherently social creatures. I know I am. There's a, there's comfort in, in, in being in company. And I think as we all are going through this completely um, unprecedented, I, I should say completely unprecedented moment in, in, in the nation's history and also the world. It's as though the world has suddenly uh, gone on to pause in some respects, but also having to um, function and exist in completely different ways. I think uh, the notion of alone together gives us an opportunity to share our experiences. And maybe even you've figured out some life hacks. Maybe you've figured out some ways to to better deal that you would like to share with uh, the fellow citizens of the Miami Valley and the world, for that matter, as people touch into Wiso from points far. There is comfort in company, and since we can't do it in person, let us let our stories be our bond at this um, historic moment, and we very much look forward to it. I'm going to give the number uh, again. The, the listener line is 937-769-1374, or send a voice memo or type an email to alone together. At wyso.org. That's alone together at wyso.org. And let's let's share, shall we? Nikki, uh, really appreciate that. Uh, thanks so much. And a big thanks to our Community Voices senior producer, Basim Blant, who is also working with you on this project. It'll be nice to hear from our listeners at this time. Yeah, they're trickling in. Uh, Basim and I have our eyes and ears on it. And uh, just a few in the beginning and uh, many more now. And we would love to add yours to our collection of the story of us. And if you're struggling this week with social distancing or self-isolation, or maybe you just need to hear a comforting voice, this man knows all about the benefits of quiet contemplation. Here's Bill Felker with Poor Will's Almanac. This is Bill Felker with Poor Will's Almanac for the fifth week of early spring. It's the week of spring equinox, and the last week of the broody hen moon, the transition week to the sun in Aries. So much has happened to prepare for equinox. Red-winged blackbirds have joined the starlings and grackles. Kildeer and mockingbirds are calling, bluebirds singing, Robins begin their pre-dawn chorus just after 7 o'clock. Cardinals and doves are calling around 7.15, and later in the day, flickers and pileated woodpeckers call. Honeybees will be flying then, and the first green bottle flies. Garter snakes will lie out sunning. And when I took inventory around the yard today, I saw that everything had changed since my last accounting at the end of February. Snow crocus and aconites and hellebores and snowdrops were in full bloom. Two small jonquils were open. Dead nettles, small flowered crest, and blue eyes verbena were all blossoming. There were first flowers on several forsythia bushes, Mid-season crocus were budded, daffodils eight to ten inches tall and well-budded, daylilies five inches, tulips ten inches, Canadian thistles three inches, peonies three inches, and leafing 
red quinces leafing and buds cracking, rhubarb and hollyhock leaves two inches tall, bleeding hearts up three inches, grape hyacinths seven inches, resurrection lilies six inches, buds opening on the serviceberry trees, buds breaking on the lilacs, pussy willows coming out all the way, privet and mock orange bushes leafing, buds reddening on the crab apple, and new garlic mustard sprouts coming on. This is Bill Felker with Poor Will's Almanac. I'll be back again next week with notes for the sixth week of early spring. In the meantime, just go outside and, and see all the things that are happening. And if you just see one of those things, you know that so many other things are happening too. Bill Felker contributes to newspapers nationwide, including the Yellow Springs News. Bill resides in Yellow Springs. Poor Will's Almanac is also available as a podcast at WYSO.org. That's it for this edition of Wyso Weekend on 91.3 WYSO, building a more informed community with independent news and storytelling. We'll be back next weekend on Wyso. Now, it's Vic McCunis with The Book Nook.